what do you suspect is a harder problem? Training an algorithm to determine cancerous from non-cancerous tumors or to pick up on small bone fractures, or integrating AI software into an existing healthcare workflow at a large hospital? As it turns out, the answer I often get is the latter. Algorithms and machine vision is certainly not easy business, and for very bespoke and kind of uh, niche issues within healthcare, there can be great challenges with getting an algorithm to identify the right portions of an image or make the right predictions based on a series of images. But working within the healthcare workflow is a big, big challenge, and it's not just one held in healthcare. We speak this week with the founder and CEO of AI Doc. Elad Wallach and Elad talks to us about the challenges of becoming part of a workflow within a large hospital. AI Doc is、uh, working in the diagnostic space and radiology. They've raised something close to fifteen million dollars. Started off in in Israel and are now kind of expanding from there. And we speak with Elad about. What it is that makes it so challenging to actually get these tools to become part of the process of doing, of treating patients, of just workflows within the healthcare space, and there's a lot of interesting analogies that I think will carry over to other sectors. If you work in heavy industry like oil and gas, or if you work in financial services like banking, invariably some of the cultural challenges, some of the tech challenges, some of the integration challenges that you hear in this show are going to have a correlate to something that you deal with in your own sector. And so I think this is a nice. Representative interview of what it takes to make a stodgy old industry kind of wake up and shake up and be able to integrate AI into its systems and its processes. Hospitals often don't feel the same kind of pressure, but many of you who are listening to this work in a field where your business does need to constantly fight for the cutting edge and, and kind of getting rid of some of the stodginess around data and around existing legacy systems、um, is borderline required for allowing AI to breathe, allowing AI to bring value to these. Bigger companies. We did so much focus on diagnostics in 2018 when we did our big research project for the World Bank、um, and presented that literally all over the world for IT and health ministers in Asia and in Europe, and had the pleasure to hear about the data challenges of, of people in the public sector of health time and time again. And Elad in this episode, I think, has some great perspective on what it takes for hospitals to sort of wake up. What are their current challenges, and what's it going to look like for them to transform? The second part of the interview, we talk about what the Future might hold how a gradual shift in software openness and the way that data is treated might make AI just easier to bring into a hospital five years from now than it is today. How does that transition happen? Well, we don't have a crystal ball, but、uh, Elad does take some stabs, and I thought that they were pretty fruitful ones. So, without further ado, I'm Dan Fagella. You're listening to AI and Industry, and this is Elad with AI Doc. So, Elad, where I wanted to start us off here is in the the tough road of integrating oneself with AI into healthcare workflows. You folks are in the diagnostic space. You're now working with a number of clients. I know not all that long ago you've gone through an, another round of fundraising. There's traction here, but I can imagine training algorithms is one thing. Getting yourself to be part of the workflow in hospitals is another. What have been some of the big lessons you've taken out of that experience? Yeah. That I must say, that's really an excellent question. Actually, let me start by saying that the AI in healthcare, or and specifically in radiology, actually started as an industry that was very algorithm focused. So a lot of the time, it was about getting those algorithms out there and and measuring ourselves by accuracy. 
But only once the technology matured and we were able to, to work within the workflows, then it really started to create impact. And then we started measuring ourselves on actual engagement, actual market traction, and obviously actual benefits to physicians. And the hurdle of integrating into workflow is really one of the biggest challenges for AI companies. For us, I must say that we actually have two divisions, one solely focused on building the smarter, better AI, but the second is actually focused on building the smarter, faster, more seamless workflow integration. So it definitely requires a lot of efforts. And for us, the key was to create a way that is super simple to the user. So we said to ourselves that it's worth the investment of resources, both on our side and the hospitality side, if we can create something that just pops up within the current systems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so just just to put some color on that, has that meant understanding? And, and I, I think it's really interesting. So you're saying this, and we talked to so many medical companies, and I, I haven't asked them if they're doing this, but you had said you have your improve the algorithm division of the business and yeah. you have your improve the integration part of the business. You know, yeah. I've, I've joked at least two occasions on this podcast that the latter problem is a harder problem right now. Now, of course, I'm not, de- <laughs> I'm not devaluing the AI at all, right? Obviously that's hard work. I'm, it's kind of a joke, but, but at the same time, it's almost not because of how doggone hard the integration thing is. You're saying about making it easy exactly. as part of the workflows. Has that meant finding all the most common software interfaces where people are currently working and building integrations for all of them? Like, what does that involve for you? Because it seems like a tough Uh, battle. Yeah. So luckily in radiology, we have a lot of standards. Some of them are pretty traditional, one called DICOM, for example. And then the key was to make sure that we can provide all the functionality we want through those rather traditional standards. So the work was more about making sure, providing all the value that we want through those current standards. And yes, the second one is targeting those big vendors, let's say 30% plus market share and integrating with them as well. So we kind of have these two approaches. One of them is do the most you can, 80% of the value by doing this fully vendor agnostic part and then work with the big vendors into adding this extra 20% of additional value. Got it. And and so was that part of the decision to sort of land in radiology, knowing that those standards were there for you to kind of lock into that would be common enough across the board? Like I can imagine there's other fields where maybe the tool sets and the workflows are Definitely. really varied, hospital to hospital. It sounds like radiology, there's at least some common touch points. Yeah, on some aspects of the workflow. One thing, by the way, that is more challenging in radiology is that the workflow itself is highly fragmented. So you have a different vendor for the viewer and for the archiving and for the routing of exams and then another one for the reporting and then another for the work list, right? But in each of those, you have a few leading companies and some of them it's easier and some of them it's harder. So we kind of identified all the parts in that very workflow we want to integrate with. And in each of them, we chose this different strategy. Some of them we told ourselves, look, there are good enough standards. Let's try and hop on those and provide all the value. We kind of identified the big winners and then we work with them. So all that being said, definitely the reason why we chose radiology is, is not from a tech standpoint, but actually from a pain standpoint and opportunity standpoint. The big reason of why we believe that medical imaging is one of the first to open up is because of this huge, huge pain we have recently with the increase in data and 
the interpretation of images in a timely fashion becoming more and more of a bottleneck. I can imagine where this could, I mean, clearly the medical imaging, the technology, just given where deep learning can go with images, I mean, there's so many reasons that it makes sense to be able to integrate this into healthcare to at least inform physician decisions to kind of augment and enhance physician. Yeah. That that yeah. argument is just such a strong argument, but obviously it doesn't mean it's easy to do. I imagine the <laughs> process and you might tell me, you might tell me that I'm wrong, but I'm I'm literally putting myself in the shoes of someone who just starts a company like yours. I'm saying I have this tool that can do X. It, it does, you know, X certain yeah. deliverable. I need to look at all the ways that other people are sort of getting that done within other interfaces, all the disjointed step one, step two, step threes within hospitals. That's going to be different Mm -hmm. protocols. That's going to be different softwares. It's going to be different. And then I'm going to find clusters where maybe a software that's very popular and maybe a set of protocols that are really popular Mm -hmm. where I'm going to make my sales. Maybe it's the United States. Maybe you guys might've started in Israel, but obviously to to grow, you got to get out of there real quick like everybody does. So maybe you know, we find sort of where the areas where the opportunity is going to be big enough and maybe the barrier to us actually making the integration happen is going to be low enough. Maybe some softwares are really hard than others. And then you have to pick, okay, here's the inroads we're going to attack. It seems like that yeah. battle plan is very, very, very important. So I must say this is a very, very important insight. Uh, and I could not agree with you more. Just as a side note, uh, obviously, for us, we also started in the U.S. <laughs> Definitely, uh we had this, uh, I would say, the business opportunity mindset from the early days. But specifically with regard to that, so I agree. And, and in general, in healthcare, when you create product, you have to keep three things in mind. And obviously, it's not just about the technology and the integration, but it's one of them. So when we develop products, we look at three different aspects. One of them is obviously the value to the user, and that's number one, right? Yeah, and that's yeah. so important because if you don't provide value, it doesn't really help. Second, integration. Totally agree with everything you just said. And then third, by the way, is regulation, right? So you need to understand what you can get to market fast enough. So having all of those three considerations are the parts of building a good, uh, fast-penetrating healthcare product. And if you build it correctly, the penetration and adoption because of the pain points could be very, very high to you know tens of hospitals in, in months. Got it. Yeah, like the, the, the structure and the strategy behind that does seem like something that you know you guys have gone through, and I can imagine that the wave of firms that are going to enter this space are either going to learn the easy way or the hard way uh, just how important and challenging that aspect of this business is. And, and I guess that gets us a little bit into the second question here, Elad, which is about where the future heads for healthcare, because clearly the number of hurdles that you know your firm is jumping now, um, which are sizable, hopefully in time. If everybody crosses their fingers, now healthcare is not going to move as fast as you know e-commerce and digital media or some of these other spaces. Nor is there going to be the same degree of digital fluency and and uh, you know bogging legacy systems and whatever in, in those sectors. But we can hope in X amount of time. I don't. Maybe it's a decade. But hopefully a little bit less. On the aggregate, maybe data will be a little bit more accessible. On the aggregate, maybe AI tools will be a little bit more fit-inable to healthcare workflows to improve patient outcomes, to improve physician efficiency, and and, and maybe even improve the business model of the hospital itself, which I think is a compelling argument. When AI becomes more accessible, 
like what's going to have to loosen up within the healthcare world? You know, you guys are breaking into a world that was never built for AI. And in the future, maybe some inroads will be developed. I'm not saying it's ever going to be easy, but some inroads will be developed and, and healthcare might be a little bit more permeatable to new AI applications and layers and augmentation. What has to happen for that kind of paradigm to shift? What are you hoping uh, occurs to make healthcare more compatible with AI tools in general? Mm -hmm. So I would say two mega trends that, uh, that come to mind. A meaningful one is regulation. For AI in general, AI is typically really good in doing very specific tasks very narrow tasks. But with the advent of new AI technologies in recent years, you start getting those scalable AI solutions, right? So a company develops one product and in the year after they develop 10 or 12 or 100 products. So we get really comprehensive toolkits that you want to then integrate into workflow. But then a challenge becomes how you scale this from a regulation standpoint, that now the FDA doesn't need just to review one submission, they need to review 100 at the same time, because you have all of those different AI applications that are kind of repeatable models for the same use case. And I think that's one big challenge we're going to have. And I know that the FDA is actually working very hard on that, uh, on finding solutions to make this more scalable. I think us as patients, we're going to lose a lot of value if AI will be hurdled by that specific uh, hurdle. Huh. And okay. second, it's also about the workflow. AI has a lot of power if it could reach across the whole workflow. So one example could be, imagine if the results of my radiology AI product could appear to the family physician, right? And you need to do two things. You need to give the AI access to a lot of data from the whole spectrum, and then you have to then integrate the results into the whole workflow as well. So it's about opening up those communication standards. There are a lot of that are now starting to be more active. You know, fire communication between different health systems are becoming more prominent. But I think we have huge opportunities if we open up the data as an infrastructure that would allow AI to provide insights on top of that. Huh. And is there maybe an example application, whether it's radiology or otherwise, that we could talk about for that dynamic? I want to put some color on that trend and see if the people at home can kind of visualize that future you're talking about. That's a great question. So one such application could be in cancer care and follow-up. Okay. okay? Uh, and that's an easy low-hanging fruit. So a patient comes in to his uh, lung cancer screening, for example, and you know you might have identified some lesions. And then you have physician uh, or you have a recommendation by the medical community that that patient need to have a follow-up imaging done in certain time period. And obviously, adherence is a big problem in medicine in general, but specifically, obviously, in imaging as well. So imagine if you would have a solution that works across the whole spectrum of treatment. So you begin with a patient coming in, it automatically can help identify and then measure those lesions help the uh, radiologists make the right decision based on the medical community's recommendation. So it has this access to those different knowledge databases. Then it connects to the other systems where you can have the follow-up recommendations automatically popping up. And if the patient didn't come by in a three-month period or six months, then you can call up that patient and kind of try and schedule that event and then make sure that you have adherence. So if you could close the loop with all of those different systems, I mentioned like 10 in this, uh, yeah. in this discussion. Uh -huh. 
that could be huge for us. Now, does the pressure to make that happen come from the vendor companies all finding some kind of mutual advantage and becoming integratable and open? Or does it come from a demand from physicians and people in the healthcare world to only work with tools that actually can be pliable and integrate to other stuff? In other words, do the vendors take this as a, a money and market share grab and open themselves up? Or you know, I think about like the, the populace and the government, or does this have to come from the people with pitchforks in front of the state house saying, hey, vendor uh, companies, we're doctors. You can't lock this stuff up. We need to become more integrated and do stuff. Whose advantage is it to make that integrated shift happen? Oh, that's an amazing question. And I think that it will come probably from both ends. So first of all, historically speaking in healthcare, uh, I would say things weren't as interoperable as one would like. And definitely the Affordable Care Act and some of the changes enacted through that made things open up uh, by law. So the pitchforks do help, uh, definitely. Uh, but also I see vendors working very hard on those opportunities. You know, Some of them you know, would be Google and AWS to work very hard on opening up standards because they see the opportunities you have by accessing data. Uh, so I think the trend would be that the entrenched incumbent companies, which right now prefer to keep things proprietary because they have the advantage and they want to keep the data to themselves. Uh, but then you would have both the more uh, the populace fighting to open up standards, as well as some of the smaller and newer vendors trying to utilize the data for AI, actually trying to open those up. So yeah, a kind of pulls from both ends. And do you think that there might be companies, vendor companies that come onto the scene and they try to use the hook of, hey, all these legacy systems want to lock your data up. We're the new hot company in, I don't know, the, the next competitor to um, Epic or whatever those systems are, right? Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm less familiar. Thank God I, I don't have to work yeah. in a hospital all the time. <laughs> I just talk to the people with the frustrations and I get to hear them talk about it. Um, yeah. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're the competitor to Epic and you know we're so cool and new because unlike them, we actually make it open. Like, like, do you think new companies will come onto the scene with the whole value prop and competitive angle of the future is more open? We are these old systems, you know, are terrible. You should go with us. Yeah, but obviously, it's it's always hard to predict the future. Yeah, uh, yeah. I would say that. I don't uh, know if you've seen anybody doing that thus far. Is what I'm saying, or or has that not even happened I, yet? I haven't seen that. Okay, okay. That much. Yep. And I would say more than that that it seems. So there is this um, opposite trend in some way that hospitals do obviously care a lot about privacy. So they don't necessarily want to open up all of the communication in the hospital. And they don't care about open standard as much as they care about other things. Yep. Yep. So for example, like value. So, you know, one example is they don't purchase software right now as a best of breed. Typically, they purchase kind of a bundle of products that work across the workflow. So I'm not sure if that value proposition okay, of yeah, I'm the yeah, be things So because of how be, they buy, yeah, it might not be strong exactly. enough to be a leading value prop. Exactly. Okay, so they might not compete on that factor. They might have to include it, but it's not going to be something that they beat the drum for necessarily. That's what I think. Cool. Okay. 
Neat. Well, we'll, we'll see if our prognostications come to be, lad. Uh, me and you yeah, have done. Yeah, we'll check done, that in a couple of years. We've done a good deal of that on this call, and that's literally all <laughs> that we have for time. But we got a lot in, and I really appreciate your forward-looking perspectives on this because the hurdles you guys are aiming to conquer here are not insignificant, and I think a lot of folks are going to see some of what we've chatted about come to life. So, lad, thanks so much for joining us on AI and Industry. Thank you, Dan. That's all for this episode on the AI and Industry Podcast, where we explore the applications and implications of AI in your business or industry. And when it comes to those benefits of real insight in terms of artificial intelligence applications in business, this show is really just the tip of the iceberg. AI and Industry is produced by Tech Emergence, and over at techemergence.com, you can find actionable industry-specific coverage, including case studies, unique market research with charts and graphs, and regular coverage of the AI applications of both the hottest startups here in the Bay Area, as well as what Fortune 500 companies are doing with AI today. Everything from marketing and advertising, business intelligence, to specific industries like finance and healthcare, you can stay ahead of the curve and stay on the right side of disruption by visiting techemergence.com. And when you're there, make sure to sign up for our weekly newsletter on the left-hand side of the page. Uh, Most of our podcast listeners get the episodes directly to their inbox every week. You'll be joining tens of thousands of other business leaders who join us from all over the world to stay ahead of the curve of AI in their specific industry. So that's techemergence.com. I'm Dan Figella. This is AI and Industry, and we'll catch you next week.